Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to try told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome to the Grindcast. Simon Arias here. Get ready. It's a new day. What's up, gang? Welcome to another episode of the Grindcast. Quarantine style. Get ready. It's a new day. And uh, and I got my my friend and my neighbor and, and woman beast in business, Melanie Mitro, in the house. What's up, Melanie? Hey there. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to have you on. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to introduce you to everybody that listens in uh, on the Grindcast and uh, expose a uh, super successful female. And, you know, as, as I started to, to, to get to know you a little bit better and, and dig in a little bit better, you know, I found that you've only been in this game for, what is it, seven years? Um, oh, it'll be nine years. Nine, nine years. Okay. Yep, nine years. Nine and years. Still mm-hmm. fast turnaround for the amount of success, you know, that, that you've had. So those of you that don't know, you know, Melanie is one of the top beach body coaches, uh, in the country or, or in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's, she's my neighbor also. And, uh, I, I met her and found, found out more really about her when I went, to, I went to London, uh, with John Maxwell, well, Jim Trestle invited me. I went to, to London and, and we did this leadership retreat with John Maxwell. And I met one of the, the ladies over there. I think her name was Tracy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was a superstar and, and she started telling me about what she did. And we were, you know, we were hitting it off like-minded, like energy, great spirit. And, uh, so, so she said she was in beach body. She's like, you probably don't know what that is. I said, no, I know what it is. I said, my, I've done some of the workouts with my wife. And a matter of fact, I think my neighbor, is uh is one of the top supposed to be one of the top people in Beachbody and she said what's your name and so I, I wasn't pronouncing it right so I, you know I started texting my and I, I get your name back and she's like oh that's my girl she's a superstar and you know she's a beast and so due to the quarantine I finally had a chance to slow down and I'm like why don't I connect with why don't I connect with she's right around the corner mm-hmm. we're in like very similar businesses from from how we need to network and how we build things and use social media and, and independence and, you know, all, all of that type of stuff. So I, I, I reached out to Melanie and, uh, and me and her started to collaborate. She let me on one of her uh, leadership uh, teachings and I have her speaking to our whole group uh, pretty soon of, uh, of leaders and then we're rocking the podcast. So you've been in the game for nine years. You're married with two children. And how old, are the, how old are your boys again? You got two boys. They are nine and 11. Nine and 11. So that means yeah. if you started nine years ago mm-hmm. in this game, you had a newborn. Yep. Yeah. Right? And, and a two-year-old. Yep. Six yeah. months, six months old and like two and a half. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear about some of that stuff. So four-time coach of the year, mm-hmm. uh, beach body superstar. Melanie Mitro, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing, where you're from, and, and kind of how you became who you are as a person? 
Sure. Okay. So, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm, I'm really excited to share with your listeners. Um, so my upbringing, I'm actually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am from east of the city. So I grew up in the Penn Trafford area and I, you know, mom and dad, we've always lived in the exact same house, house on the hill. Grandma lives next door. I had a pretty just normal upbringing my dad and and mom both blue collar workers you know they worked hard for everything that we had um growing up and my dad owned his own construction company for oh my gosh until i was in middle school he would do the long hours he'd be up before the sun he would come home after the sun would go down and he would work really hard when the weather was warm because in the winters we would struggle and you know i remember my mom like counting the change on top of the dryer to go buy the the gallon of milk and so you know my parents worked incredibly hard my mom stayed home she took care of my brother and I and when my brother was probably in elementary school she decided to go back and get her associate's degree and so she put herself through college my dad decided that he was he actually has a degree um, in education he's a teacher a phys ed teacher and so he decided that he was going to walk away from um, construction and try to get back into teaching. So there was this period of time where my mom was going to school and my dad was um, substitute teaching. I mean, life was, I remember that it was just hard. It was, was struggle. We, we had a pop-up camper and we, every weekend we would go camping and those were our family vacations. And, and I loved it. I have great memories of growing up and my parents just even looking back at this whole sort of how everything has unfolded. My mom and dad are super positive people. They're incredibly hard workers. They never told my brother and I that we could not have something that we wanted, but they always, always told us that you can have whatever you want, but you have to be willing to work hard for it. And so they just instilled that work ethic in us from a very young age. And I'm the kind of person that if I put my mind to something, I'm going to make it happen. And looking back, you know, there were these sort of these defining moments, right? So in, in high school, for example, I said I wanted to be a cheerleader. And I had never cheered a day in my life, but I went out for tryouts. I stood there. I watched all the other girls at tryouts. I recorded the music. I went home and I practiced for like 24 hours for three days in the mirror, watching myself, watching the other girls. And I made the team. And it was kind of that first time that I realized like hard work gets you to where you want to be because I beat out a lot of people that had done this since they were they were little right so you know going on I, I went to college I was the first um, well yeah I'm the oldest so I went to college and I got my degree in psychology so I have an undergrad degree from the University of Pittsburgh I went to the Johnstown campus in psychology and that's where I met my husband Matt I actually bought him for six dollars at a bachelor auction that are <laughs> it's like the best story ever he was the bachelor I was running the auction as a fundraising chair and you're a poor college student, so, you know, six bucks, that was like a great, great deal. You know, that's a whole case of beer. So anyways, um, I met my husband and we graduated and I went on to get my master's degree. I got my master's degree in special education. And the whole time that we were dating and talking about getting engaged and getting married and starting a family, I was really like, I was dialed in that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That was my mission in life. I was getting an education so that if anything happened to Matt, I would have something to fall back on. And so we planned. We planned our whole life around me being a stay-at-home mom. 
And so we had Landon, who is our oldest, our 11-year-old, and I went from full-time to part-time, took a different position so I could somewhat be home. Matt took a different position so that we could have a little bit more um, income. He needed to sort of climb the ladder. And we were living in a three-bedroom townhouse here in Mars at that time. And we had our second little boy. And we made the decision for me to step away. Now, in my mind, and to the women out there, they probably can relate to this. Like I had this very false perception of what parenthood, like parenting was going to be and motherhood. I thought for sure that I was going to be out shopping every day, you know, Pinterest crafts in the kitchen. We're going to be taking these fabulous vacations. When you only have like an extra $100 left over when you pay all of your bills each month, there is no going anywhere. There is no vacations. There's no buying new clothes because your clothes don't fit anymore. And when you're stuck inside the house in Pittsburgh in you know January, February, March, it's rough. So I had this like awful transition into stay-at-home mom life where I hated being the mom that did the arts and crafts at the kitchen table every day. I missed having adult conversation. I really had kind of lost my identity and, um, and I really kind of went through a low point and I made a Facebook post about eating celery and wanting to lose weight, which is weird because I'm a very, I'm a private person. Surprisingly, if you look at my social now, you would never know that, but I was, I really only ever used Facebook for sharing, you know, anniversaries and, you know, things we were doing as a family, kids being born, um, the dog, when we got the dog. And so for me to post that, it was like an inner, a divine intervention for sure. And it was somebody that my husband went to high school with. His wife actually reached out and said, I can help you with that. And so I started this, this fitness journey because of her and because she was sharing on her social media, her transformation and her results. And so I started as a customer with the program, um, in 2011, in May of 2000. And so I didn't actually start with the business right away. Um, but you know, Matt and I were, were just really having a hard time and Beachbody really was kind of that thing that gave me confidence that really introduced me to nutrition positive mindset and kind of started this business transformation. So it's a little bit about the beginning and who I am um, up until kind of starting my business. Love it. I love it. Makes a lot of sense. You yeah. know, navigating through how you were raised, you know, so many similarities when we get more time together that, that, yeah. that we'll share when we're out of quarantine. But the, uh, the, the thing that, that comes to my mind when we talk about the similarities to our businesses, you know, I think that, you know, there's probably was in the beginning, a lot of doubters that mm -hmm. you were going to be able to, to do something with this, you know? And, and it's like, all right, yeah, she's into this beach body thing. And, you know, it's kind of, she thinks this is going to be her deal or you've probably coached people mm -hmm. in, in now and in the past that have had their new, or they're starting off and, and they have people doubting them or, you know, they even doubt themselves a little bit. Can you speak to, to, to any of those thoughts? Yeah. Well, so walking into network marketing, number one, everybody has an opinion about what you're doing, right? So, and even just nine years ago, there was still a lot of negative stigma around it. And there is today, but I don't definitely don't get it as much. But so here I am, somebody that doesn't use social media. Here I am, somebody that has no business background, no marketing background, of no skill in this area. And so imagine I go to my husband who's working 11 hours a day to provide for us. And I'm like, I'm going to start a business 
business online, a health and fitness business. So he thought I was crazy. And he also said, absolutely not. You're not going to invest you know, X amount of money to launch this business. It's a scam. It's a ripoff. You will fail. Like if you, and he actually said, if you want to get a job, we'll put the kids in daycare and you can get a real job. And so I'm stubborn, very stubborn. I, I will always get what I want. I am like persistent as can be. Right. So I am like, well, I'll show you. I wasn't discouraged. I know some women, you're like, that's it. The husband tells me I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I was like, well, I'll show you. And so for me, a lot of how I handle the doubters, because it was family members that would roll their eyes, it was friends, it was people that stopped, like they would avoid me in the grocery store, you know, it just, everything kind of became weird. And so I, the very first book that was recommended to me was The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And I remember that was the first time I was ever introduced to personal growth. And I read that book. And so in that book, they talk about the small, seemingly insignificant daily activities that are repeated over time that create success. And there, and I can just remember thinking, I'm going to be the person that shows up and outlasts the competition. I'm going to be the person that shows you that I'm, I'm serious about this. This isn't just some random business. And so for me, it was all about I just knew that I had to prove myself. I didn't need to convince people, but I had to prove it. And I had to actually do that with Matt too. So I spent a lot of time on personal development. I was running the Pittsburgh Marathon. I can remember putting in my earbuds and I would listen to, there's a guy, his name's Craig Holiday, and I don't know if he's even around, but he did a series for Beachbody and it was all, it was called 90 Days to Excellence. And he talked about the mindset of a business owner and he talked about the hustle and he talked about the sacrifice. And I would just listen to that on repeat and it hearing stories of how he overcame a lot of the things I was currently dealing with, that helped me. So I think for, you know, handling those situations, I even look back now and go, man, Matt went out of his way to make it difficult for me to build this business at first, you know, because I was the stay-at-home mom. So it was like, I, hey, babe, I need to go do this work. Nope, nope. You got to put the kids to bed or you, they've got to get a bath. Like, he wouldn't help me at all. And so I had to get up really early and stay up really late and work around his schedule until he really started to see that I was having some success with it. So I, I don't know. It's like that stick with it, prove you wrong. Um, just I had to have that grit and belief in what I was doing. And I really, really believed that other women needed what I could offer to them. And so that was is what I kind of focused on. You had that belief, and uh, it, it re they really do have good products, good good stuff. Yeah, you know, I've, I've they done, do. I've done them. Yeah. But, uh, the the, you know, you're in leadership. You also have your own consulting uh, business. Is Chic? Yeah, yeah. Chic, chic influencer. Chic influencer. Uh, but but in your leadership journey, uh, is there is there people that stand out to you or things that stand out to you qualities of of a person that makes it in your industry or that you've seen become successful versus people that don't you know mm -hmm. any any qualities stand out oh yeah so i have worked with a ton of people. So in, in Beachbody, you sort of have your customer base, but then you also begin to build a team and it's a team of people that want to also start a business. So I have been mentoring and leading and training. And I think, gosh, there has got to be like 
20, 30, 40,000 people in my organization overall that I kind of oversee just to give, you know, the listener some perspective on that. And so I've had a lot of people come in. I've had a lot of people stay. I've had a lot of people go out and there, there is a bit of a turnover because you are responsible for your success. You're responsible for your paycheck. It's not guaranteed. It's all based on your productivity. It's not like a nine to five where you're going to collect a paycheck regardless if you stink at your job. And so I look at the best people, the best top performers in my company. They're the people that are, they're self-starters. You know, I may need to guide them and course correct and help sort of, you know, troubleshoot things, but they're, they take initiative and they get out there and they're, they're coachable. You know, the people that if I say, hey, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, they will do X, Y, and Z and come back and say, so what's next, right? The people that are creative. So in business, there's no, it's not cookie cutter. Nothing is cookie cutter. And you have to make yourself stand out as an entrepreneur. So finding your slight edge, finding what makes you different from, you know, the business down the street. I always use chiropractors as an example because there's one on every corner, you know, so how do you make yourself you got one out? next door? I know I got one next door. Yeah. And then our, our like best friends are chiropractors too, you know? So it's like, you know, you have to find that, that slight edge, what is creativity. And so, you know, anybody can come in and sell stuff. Anybody can come in and have a little bit of success, but you also have to have that creativity to keep inventing yourself and keep in stepping up. And so I look at that and then I also say, you know, being able to move from one failure to the next without the loss of enthusiasm, right? Because, you know, business is just a series of failures and you're like, what am I learning through this? And so if you can have those foundational characteristics, then we, we can take it to the next level. Right. Amen. Is that Winston Churchill? I don't know. Is it? I think so. Okay. Okay. Churchill's my guest. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the uh, next thing is, you know, talking about, you know, I always say that this, the believe in the sacrifice that'll take you to paradise. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you could rewind, you know, 10 years ago, you know, what you're describing was not exactly paradise for you. And we never really get to a point of, we're always growing, we're always working on stuff, nothing's ever perfect. But if you could look at the two, you know, even looking at you with a nice white background and you know what I mean? I, I got to get a microphone. Giovanni, get me the microphone set. Look at her. Oh, she got a professional microphone over there. I'm still winging it from Youngstown. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, all those things that you have now happen through some form of sacrifice. I'm assuming, you know, mm -hmm. to, to gain anything in life, you got to give up something. So, so what are the things that you could remember being sacrifices or things that needed to be given up or that you would suggest to other female leaders or leaders in general, you know, that type of sacrifice mindset? Sure. Well, I made a ton of sacrifices along the way. Um, so again, like I said, Matt wasn't super supportive. So, and my kids were little and we did not have the ability to hire somebody to come in and watch the kids. So for me, it, I immediately, I went from this lifestyle of whenever we feel like waking up is great. Whenever, if we feel like taking a nap today, awesome. If we feel like going on a play date. So all of a sudden, first thing, day one structure, I started to create structure 
in my life where there was no structure before. And so I was like, okay, every day you're going to take a nap from one to three. And it didn't matter. I was like, at 12 o'clock we have lunch, then we start quiet time and you go for a nap. And then I would sit down at the kitchen table. I would hustle for those two hours that I knew that they were going to be asleep or the one hour, you know? So I started to kind of create these pockets where I would take a nap on the couch before. I'd watch soap operas. Uh, The other sacrifice was getting up. So I started getting up at five in the morning because I knew that I needed to start and I would study top performers in, you know, that in business. And so all of the, all the studies were, you know, having a morning routine. And so for me, I started establishing this morning routine where I didn't want to be reacting to my day. I didn't want to be waking up with Landon and Bryce saying, mom, what's for breakfast or, you know, having my emails blowing up. And so I started to get up. I would, I read, I do my, um, I do my gratitude journal. I do a meditation every single morning and then I go do a workout. And so then from there shower dressed in my office for my day when the kids were little, um, when my kids were little, it was, I had to get up early because I only had this much time before they got up. I had to stay up late at night because I had to work when they went to bed at night. And so the sacrifice came for me, right? And my sleep at the beginning on Saturdays and Sundays, I knew Matt would be home. Time out. I, I, I want to grab this real quick. Okay. <laughs> where, you're, you're, where you're at, but the, the, the morning routine you just got me all all excited about because that that's I mean we're like fist pumping from here. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like me to a T. This is what I believe in. And it's it's crazy that you know everybody that knows me knows I'm up at five, five fifteen every morning. Uh mom body spirit is is my whole thing. You know, by eight, eight thirty, I'm telling everybody you gotta be done with the books, the audio books, podcasts, spiritual development, exercise for your mind, get yourself cleaned up and be ready to go. This way you're not on uh, defense the whole day. You're on offense and, and prepared. So, you know, what would you say to people that, uh, you know, it's great because you erase those excuses. You know, I, I, I have the ability to, to work with people that are moms and, and, and dads, but, you know, specifically some of the moms. and um, they, they, I've tried to encourage them in these areas, but they, you know, the kids are the excuse of, of yeah. or, or, which is a hard hurdle, but yeah. to overcome. But you found a way to still kind of get up early. You know, how did you process that and still get sleep and still get your job done? So I had a vision of what I wanted to create for my family, right? So I, and it started very small. It was, I wanted to pay cash for Christmas. Then it was, I wanted to earn this rewards trip. Then it became, I wanted to pay off debt. So I had this crystal clear vision of get of owning a house, owning our single family home. We are still in our townhouse. And so I had created this vision board, which is, you know, right behind me. I have my new one back there of all the things, you know, that, but I visualized that. So in that moment, as a, as a mom who's trying to build it from the ground, that alarm would go off. 
And I would sit up and I would say, I am awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. I am willing to do what other people are not willing to do so I can have what other people wish they could have three to five years from now. And I would repeat, repeat. I would just walk myself to the kitchen all the way to get my pre-workout, right? And for me, it was like adrenaline. I would work out and my vision board was hanging on the wall beside me. And I was so laser focused on creating a different life because I could see what was possible. And I just knew that, you know what? I have to be willing to put in the hard work. I have to be willing to put my head down and make sacrifices. And I don't want to sacrifice quality time with the boys. So I'll sacrifice my own sleep. And so that was that it was just mindset of, I wanted to create something different so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took. What other sacrifices stick out to you? Um, the weekends. So Matt was off on Saturdays and Sundays. And so we had this agreement where he would get them up in the mornings. And so I would get up at five and instead of working out, I would go right into our spare room or the basement, wherever I was working at the time. And I would work from like five in the morning until 10 AM. And he was in charge of the kids and I could crush out like almost you know, two eight hour days in that amount of time. And that was my slight edge. So if you think about that, the rest of the world is sleeping. I did that for 365 days out of the year for five straight years. I just freaking outworked the competition that was sleeping in on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. And so I feel like that was, I was finding these pockets where I could just crush it. And my weekends were like, I sacrificed sleeping in. I just, I made the sacrifice, but it's paid off. Yeah. And I would say TV. I don't think I watched TV for five years. You know, I had no idea what's going on in the world. Beast. Love it. Same stuff. Same stuff. Give it up them weekend. (laughs) Except for you did it with kids as a mom. You know what I mean? That's even, that's a whole nother, just being a mom is a whole nother level of stuff. Yeah. I wonder how I did that. (laughs) You talked about the, the, the support, you know, now you have support, you know, and, and so, you know, what would you say to, you know, people that want to get support and don't have the immediate support from their spouse? You know, how do you kind of change that perspective over time? So if you know my husband, Matt, he is the most stubborn man in the world, uh, but he also cares incredibly deeply for his family. He would do anything for us. He cares about us so much, right? And so... um For him, it it was very hard at the beginning because there was definitely this like miscommunication, this like, hey, I'm the provider. Why all of a sudden do you feel like you need to work? So we had to really navigate that, you know, as a couple at the beginning. And we had a lot of really knockdown, drag out arguments about my business. And even to the point where at one point he said, you have to choose your business or me. Um, And so we had that conversation and we argued. I can remember the night that we just, four hours, we just fought about, you know, the business and how much time I was putting in. And it came down to, I don't want to make you quit, but we just can't keep going on like this. Like you are, I was working a lot and I really wasn't present. You know, I was sort of neglecting a lot of things that, 
that I never had neglected before. And so for us, we learned that we have to communicate better. And so we actually sit down every Sunday for a very long time and we would, we would look at each other's schedules because he worked and actually Matt doesn't work anymore. So he retired, retired, quit, left his job five years ago. I think it's been five, five years. He walked away from his corporate career to help me with the business. Um, but every Sunday we would sit down and say, what is it that you have going on at your job? What nights can you put the kids to bed so I can work? Who's going to cook dinner this night? And we start, and I would say, look, when you walk through the door, I'll have dinner ready, but I have a conference call. And so we just had to every week be dialed in to who needed to do what. And once Matt started, and I will, let me just back up and say, I didn't really get that sort of support until I started showing Matt the money. So I worked for a long time to prove myself. I would say a good 18 months to prove myself. But when I said I was working, I was working. I wasn't playing on the computer. I wasn't like, you know, talking to my friends. I was like doing the dang thing. And so that when I started to show him money was really when I started to get his buy-in and support. So it was that and it was communication. Um, and then with a spouse too, I, it's, I think a lot of times you don't have support because they don't understand and they're intimidated by what you're doing. Like, am I not good enough? Or, you know, so that comes across. So sometimes you just have to look at this and say, if I was in their shoes and I was so used to a specific way of living and all of a sudden you're not cooking and cleaning and doing the things you used to do because you're obsessed with this business, how does that make them feel? And so, you know, just kind of instead of us always saying like, this is what you need to do. We kind of have to look at it from each of our perspectives. Wow. That's great. That's, that's great. The, uh, you know, one of my favorite things, Natalie's more private than me. You know, one of my favorite things to do is, is talk about our past marital struggles mm -hmm. uh, to help people. I just, I, I love the, the, the sincerity and, and genuine ability to be able to help people to relate through your struggle because what, whether people say it or don't say it, we know what's going on. We know what happened. You know what I mean? You, you show me somebody that's successful in a business and they've been together, married for 10, 20 years, I, I guarantee they're going to tell you some knock down, drag out stuff, you know, that, yeah. that you were talking about that come to Jesus. And I, I'm glad you made it work. He said, pick the job or pick, or, or pick me, pick the business or pick me. And you got both. I did. Yep. You got both, which takes a lot of scheduling. You know, me and you were talking a, a, a lot, you know, before this about, oh, I had this many, you know, I scheduled my whole week out this way. And, and I told you I got a couple more after this. It's like to the moment. A lot of times we're sliding into, sliding into first, you know, it's like starts at one o'clock. We're there at 12.59, coming off of this one, going to the next one. You know, how important would you say it is to be a mom and a wife and a business owner and a uh, um, consultant, you know, uh, owning a consulting company, how important is scheduling and how would you navigate through people that are disorganized and don't know how to schedule because there's 168 hours in a week. Yeah. You know, so I always tell people there's, there's one, six, eight, you got to You got a one, eight, seven, you're one, six, eight. You got to murder that one sixty eight. You, you got to mm -hmm. be scheduled to the T and you can get it all accomplished if you're not wasting 30 minutes here, 15 minutes here, half hour here. Tell us about how important scheduling would be to you and, and how to navigate someone to get better with scheduling. 
Sure. So this is like my jam. Productivity is the thing that I am most passionate about because I think it was the thing I was the worst at at the beginning. I wasted a lot of time until I figured it out. So every Sunday, I do a planning session with myself. So I review my I review my goals from last week. Did I hit the goals? Did I hit the numbers that I was looking to hit? Um, I always say, you know, what went well, what didn't go well. And then I set my goals for the week upcoming week, right? So that's kind of the first thing I do on Sunday mornings when I come into the office um, to kind of have my quiet time. Um, And so I do that and then I look at the calendar. So I use a Google calendar is what I use and have used. I also have a paper one too, but you kind of have to find your own system. So I will go in and the first thing I do is, and this is obviously not happening right now because we are not going anywhere, but my kids have, you know, baseball, basketball. They're involved in both tournament teams and there's practices. And so that all goes on my calendar, right? First. Then I put on my calendar, anything outside like events and family stuff, things we have to do. I always schedule in my workout and my morning time that goes in my calendar first thing in the mornings. And then I look at the rest of the day and I start to chunk out when is going to be my business hours. Right. And so when the boys were little and I was building, it was, you know, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, or an hour here, an hour there. But I would down to the minute schedule out when I was going to build my business. And then I would take it one step further because we can block out our business time. But if we don't actually know what we're going to do when we sit down to do the business, we spend so much time just mindlessly clicking around to try to figure it out. So I have a separate sheet of paper that has my to-do list. And then I prioritize that to-do list. I'm like, what are the income producing activities that I need to do? Because those are the things that have to go first in my day. So I work, wake up in the morning and I say, what are my, what are my IPAs, my income producing activities? That's going to be the first thing in my quiet time that I'm going to do. Those of you that are parents, moms that are trying to juggle, you know, kids at home right now, there are things you can do when your kids are in the same room with you. And there are things that you have to have a hundred percent attention for. So I do a lot of writing. Um, I do a lot of, I write all my own social media content. If I try to write a piece of content with Landon and Bryce in the same room, it's going to take me 45 minutes. But if I write that piece of content in the morning when I'm fresh in my brain, it's like 10 minutes and I'm done. So even saying to yourself, what are my most productive times when my brain is sharp? That's when I'm going to do the things that take them, require the most attention. What are the things that I can kind of answer? I can do emails and messages and respond to things throughout the day. So even looking at your times that you've set aside and saying most productive, income producing, first thing in the morning, management, kind of checking in, following up when everything else is kind of going on. And so having that kind of system, and I will say every night, I always say to myself, could I have given it a fingernail more? It's actually on one of my quotes back there. It says, could I have given it a fingernail more? Every day I say that. Like, was there anything else that I could have done that I just could have been like, yes, I would have nailed it. Um, And then I always say, you're not going to go to bed unless those IPAs are done. That's your, that's your um, slight edge. And so as a business owner, as a mom, wife, work in your business, right? You're always asking yourself, even though life is chaotic, am I getting the most important things done? And then, good. I love that. I, IPA, you know, the people here in Pittsburgh, they, they might think that's a beer. 
What was that? Income producing activities? Yes. I like yeah. it. We call it, I, I use RGA because it's a title in our business, revenue generating activity. Oh, okay. Very, uh, very, yeah. very similar. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've talked a little bit in the past about uh, some of our mutual adversities, you know, that we've gone through in, in business. Is, is there uh, one or two or, you know, what adversities pop into your mind on what it's taken to get you from, you know, where you were to where you're at? You're even hearing that story of, all right, for 18 months, you didn't have support. First of all, God bless you <laughs> for being able to navigate through all of that for 18 months. That's a long time. 18 weeks is a long time. 18 yes. months, whole nother level, you know, mm -hmm. to not have the complete support and then be able to transition, make that sale somehow. And then within a five year period, so you're talking about 60 months. So from, from month zero to 18, one to 18, we didn't have the support yet. And then from there, boom, within five years, you transitioned to where he was able to quit his job and now he was able to help you with, with some of the things in the business, which is amazing. But, you know, people see the shine, they see the nice house, you know, your beautiful house, beautiful family, all the things that you have and, and the stuff, the, 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 the glamour, the glitz. But what they don't see is the shit, you know, the stuff that you had to go through. So what, what were some of the obstacles that you could remember those, those, those hurdles? Mm, there's a lot of them. There's so many. Um, I will say the biggest obstacle, what everything was, you know, yeah, I had a lot of challenges with support, with people supporting me, but I had, I had a lot of momentum in my business. So for the first five years of business, my, everything was up. Everything was upward momentum, upward climb. Even if it was a slow climb, it was going. And once my momentum in my business started to build, my team was growing fast. I was attracting amazing leaders. I was attracting rock stars to my team. They were growing fast. I had other top leaders that were getting the trips and going on those with me too, because they were rocking. And so I sort of was, everything was easy. I was kind of on top of the world as the leader, right? And so then all of a sudden, our company decided to adopt this on-demand model where they went from selling DVDs and these kits to now everything was on-demand and it shifted. It, we had like this huge shift in the way we did business. Uh, it affected just a lot of our income and the way we approached the business. And with that came a ton of challenges for my organization. It was the first time that people were struggling, right, to make money. And we had to be very creative of how we were going to approach this, how we were going to navigate through it. And I am the kind of person that I want to save everybody. I want to fix everybody. I want everybody to be happy. I am the kind of leader that will way overcommit myself, or I was that kind of leader that would way overcommit myself to make sure that everybody else's needs were met. And I we were all, so I could just tell everybody was, all my top leaders were struggling. And I said, we're going to run a house in Florida. We're going to go on this team retreat. I'm going to spoil the crap out of you guys. We're going to mastermind. We're going to, you know, come together. And all I could think was if I just get people in the same room together, if I just get people in the same room together, they'll get it. They'll get their fire lit. Everybody will, you know, start moving again. And I went to that retreat and that whole weekend, I had no idea that my assistant and one of my leaders was recruiting everybody there to join another company. Um, and nobody told me. 
Nobody told me for the four days that we were there. And when I came back, my assistant had turned in her resignation. Um, and then I started to kind of get these, I started to get these messages like, hey, something's going on. And even when I approached the person, she didn't admit it. And I could just see it. I mean, I could see it. I was getting the, the screenshots and the messages. And so for me, it was the first time that I had ever been betrayed in that way. And I didn't know what to do. Right. And I just absolutely, utterly broke down. Um, and I was really vulnerable to my team about that. And I've always been the kind of leader that is, I got this, I'll handle it. Like I'm stone faced. I don't, didn't show emotion. I was very action and I let them see that raw emotion. And I, at one point, remember getting out the whiteboard and being like, who do I think is going to stay? And who do I think is going to go? And what is going to happen to my business? And I just let fear take over. But the coolest thing happened is people stepped up. The coolest thing ever happened is people that weren't top producers, right? They were my biggest supporters. They were the ones that were rallying behind me. I just like developed a whole new respect for people. I was like, I don't care if you sell a dang thing. You are the most amazing person in the world the way you just wrapped your arms around me and said, we love you. You know, you're the best leader. And so looking back at that, that made me not take people for granted. It made me realize that I can't save everybody, right? That I have to set some healthy boundaries. It also made me just have better relationships with people. But gosh, I am so thankful that those people did what they did to me because it has taught me so much about growing a healthy organization um, versus what it could be if I'd have stayed on that path. Wow. Yeah. Story. Yeah. So similar. You know, I, t I told you I got the no weapon on, uh, on mm -hmm. my forearms from that, that type of uh, very, very similar situation. And, you know, what, what happened on my end was just such a blessing in disguise. You know, it was a miserable two years, you know, a year or two <laughs> I went through this process. And, and we come out of it and, you know, just, you know, like the coach of the year thing over here, they call it something else. And we won that the, the very next year after all this turmoil, you know, ha happened. Yeah. And, and the, the people that rose from that were loyal and the ones that, that didn't, none of them made it. None of them made it. No one went to another industry and, expl and, and exploded, N not one of them. And all of the people that's, that were loyal, that stepped up, it was a blessing in disguise that all these people are now running the ship and it, it kind of got the weeds out on accident. I didn't realize it was a blessing. I was pissed off. I was upset. I was hurt. Like you, I try to serve. But then you also talked about the inner reflection you did. You're like, oh, this is what maybe I could have done differently. I don't take people for granted. So I grew in that area too, looking at myself. How did I allow that to happen? What did I not see, you know, come, coming up the pipeline so you could grow from it instead of being a victim? You know, you see what I could have done, even though that was BS. Mm -hmm. I still could have done something to, to, to control that aspect of it. You talked about attracted leaders. Any, anything that you think a person would do to attract, you know, but I, I, our business is all about it, being able to attract top talent, not just attracting anybody, but really game changers that can influence people. Yeah. You know, how can you uh, advise people to attract others, the right people? Well, I do believe that if you have to have belief in what you do, 
first and foremost. If you don't believe in what what you're doing, what you're selling, what you're promoting, what, what company you're bringing people into, that's that's it right there from the beginning. You have to wholeheartedly believe in the product or the service. And the second part of belief is you have to believe in yourself. If you aren't confident, and that is confidence is a muscle that we work every single day like we do in our workouts, right? So you have to have that belief. And then when you have those two things, you have to go out into the world. For me, it's social media. It is private conversations. And I, number one, I post on social media as if I'm already the person I want to become. So in 2012, when I was trying to attract top talent, and even today, I'm talking about where my team is going. I'm talking about the fact that the train is leaving the station. You can either get on this train or we're leaving you behind. I was recognizing people. I was telling my story. I was telling the stories of other people that were a part of my team because I wanted to paint the picture of what could be for other people that were maybe following my social media or maybe you're connected to on LinkedIn or, you know, I wanted people to, to see that it was possible because I knew there was another Melanie out there that was sitting in her living room feeling completely lost. And so I would think about that person as I was creating my social media content. Uh, and then as far as attracting top talent, it is, look, I may not have all the answers, but I will, I will get them for you and I will lead you and I will be there with you every single step of the way. And that is one of the things that I say to every person that joins my team is, look, I'm not going to hold your hand. But I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be breathing down your neck, you know, every single day. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I go, but if you run, I'm going to run with you, right? If you want to walk, I'll walk with you, you know, but I'm not going to drag you. And even when I'm talking to people, I talk about that go-getter mindset that you can have anything that you want to achieve. I let people know that it's hard work. I stop using the word, it's easy. Anybody can do this because that attracts people that are looking for an easy way out. And I don't want people like that. I want people that understand that you want this level of success, then you have to show up and be willing to do the work. So even in your wording, as you're, as you're thinking about your conversations, making sure that you're bold and confident about what it takes to be successful and, and what's possible. And I believe that energy, when you put that out there, you begin to become a magnet for those people right? And Simon, that's the same thing for you. You've attracted people because of who you are and the energy level that you, the vibration you put out there. Love it. What, what, any, any tips on, uh, you know, to lead through this pandemic for you, you know, that you've been doing or using? Cause I would imagine it's maybe a less, little bit less of a change for you guys. Cause you're already doing stuff from, from home. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. I mean, we are a home-based business. So I would say the hardest thing is all of our live events. And we thrive on our retreats and our annual conferences and our leadership. Some of our rewards trips were canceled. And so even in business, I'm like, man, we all like we're puttering out when we get to this, you know, February trip and then our March trip. 
And then bam, that gives us the momentum we need to keep going. And so we lost that. So what we did is we did an on, we did a virtual event, right? So we did a virtual summit. We had a workout, live workout first. We did a Zoom where everybody worked out and then we did a training. And I brought in my top leaders. I was like, okay, best back pocket, you know, strategy for pivoting. Um, You know, we're creating opportunities for, we're just looking at things very differently. You know, in, in the chic influencer side, we basically had to take our entire calendar and just take the dry erase eraser and wipe it off because every speaking engagement, every, you know, opportunity we had is now gone and people are all of a sudden holding on to their money a lot tighter. They're not willing to spend in the, you know, in the mentorship what they were. And so we had, we made some decisions about we're going to serve people. We're going to give free advice. We're going to create some lower ticket um, items that can help help to still generate some income, but we're kind of going to be okay with, you know, maybe not hitting the exact numbers we want right now, but we know if we serve really well right now, we will get it on the back end, you know, in the third and fourth quarter as things begin to turn around. So we're, we've like pivoted into serve mode so that People remember us. They remember us whenever they're right. Like they have the funds to be able to Love invest. It. Love it. Great stuff. Unbelievable. I could I could uh, go on and on pulling stuff from you. I even got got some notes. So you're awesome. And, well, and, uh, you deserve you deserve everything that you got coming to you because you're just getting started. This isn't the, the this isn't the destination. This is just where we're currently at right now. We got to go to another level, and I know you're on your way to that level with me. Absolutely. Uh, and I got your back any way that I can. So, but what ways uh, could somebody contact you or, you know, could you give some of your social, you have a podcast as well. I do. I have actually have two podcasts. So I do um, the Women Inspiring Women podcast. I've been doing that for over three years now. So you can find that on iTunes and Spotify and um, any place where podcasts are at. And then the Make Chic Happen podcast is, I do that with my business partner. Um, so we do those. You can find me on Instagram. So it's just Melanie Mitro on Instagram. And I'm very active there. I'd say that's the most, the place I'm the most active. And I do have a website. It's just MelanieMitro.com. Love it. Yeah, I would go go check out her social media. She's a beast. If she gets me fired up. Who <laughs> fires up somebody that's already fired up? She, you, you, got some, you got some great stuff on there. I love your attitude. And, and uh, I appreciate you joining us and giving some wisdom and advice and knowledge and fire to all of the people out there on the well, grindcast. So well, thank we, you. Thanks we for having appreciate me. it. So thanks for joining us. Get ready. It's a new day. Let's Count go. money, man. Money, Stack man. Stack riches. Try and told him I'm a beast, bud. Money.